The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Anyway, and then historic buildings. So we had a minor exception in for, for the roof of a historic building, and they said that that, that doesn't matter. So um, to give it, everyone a sense of like, what does this all mean? Like what would be the effect on development? Um, we look back at the last two and a half years worth of site plans, which are about 65 site plans to see uh, what the effect of each one of these items would have. And I can report that the, the change to require first flush on projects over one acre, we found two projects where that would have uh, kicked in. So, um, and it's, and just so everyone knows, first flush is the first inch of rain. So we're all, the change in that requirement were, you know, two projects over the last year and a half would have had to control one inch of runoff. So a fairly small change. The uh, exception that we currently have for, for ADA, there were no projects that utilize that. Um, that hasn't been utilized in a long time. That, that was put in in the 90s when there were some changes in ADA requirements and we had a rash of projects and so we put this exception in and it hasn't been used much since then. Then uh, the public sidewalks, we found one project where there was a public sidewalk uh, basically going around a tree to preserve the tree that would have gone onto the private property that would have added a very minor amount of stormwater management for that project. And the historic uh, building or historic roof um, exception that we had hasn't been utilized in the last two and a half years. So it's zero projects that would have affected. And additionally, there's one other change that we are proposing that wasn't asked for by the state, um, there is an alternative section, basically meaning um, where a site could choose not to provide stormwater management if they provided either a, uh, land to the city or uh, money that there was a formula that, you know, the idea of being equal to allow the city to do their detention for them in some other other manner and that that section has only been used once in the last in over 20 years and it's and the the dollar values in it are also over 20 years old so not representative of current cost um, so we're proposing to change that section instead of instead of looking for uh compensation just providing more flexibility like if a if a if a development is on a site that's contaminated and they really can't do detention, if they can provide justification, um, we would still have to require first flush per the state requirement. But there are some flexibility to, for difficult sites, and there's a few um, specific examples listed in there where exceptions can be made, uh, and we thought that that would that would help with, especially with these changes that we're proposing uh, to make, make things a little, a little more flexible instead of this, the, um, the basically pay in lieu of section that we previously had that wasn't utilized. So that's kind of the overview. So I think we can take questions. 
Should we do the public hearing first? All righty. So we'll, we'll have questions in a bit. Um, so uh, this is for public hearing for persons to speak up to three minutes about these changes to the UDC. Uh, first call on individuals present and then move uh, remote. If you're uh, speaking remotely, press star nine or use the raise hand feature for phone access. Call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hands. Uh, please go to a quiet area so we may hear you. For either method, please state your name and address um, at the beginning of your comments. Is there anybody present that would like to speak? Doesn't look like it. All righty. Anybody virtually? Let's just give it one moment. Nope, no indications. Okay, well, I will read the proposed motion, which is the Ann Arbor City Planning Commission hereby recommends that the Mayor and City Council approve the amendments to Chapter 55 Unified Development Code, Section 5.22 Stormwater Management and Soil Erosion, Subsection 5.22.3 Stormwater Management Systems, to eliminate currently offered exceptions and revise the criteria for approving alternative standards and to reformat subsections 5.22.2 and 5.22.3 with additional headings and tables for a more user-friendly and concise layout consistent and reorganized uh, content for efficiency. All righty, we are in discussion. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Skip that part. <laughs> Moved by Commissioner Sovey and seconded by Commissioner Abrams. Now we are in discussion. <laughs> Commissioner Dish and then Commissioner White. I just, I had a question on page two of the um, staff report, it says that a detailed explanation and analysis of the proposed amendments and the reorganization is provided separately. Was that meant to be the marked up document with comments or did, was there a detailed explanation more along the lines of what Mr. Hancock just provided us that was supposed to be attached and wasn't? Um. I can address that as I wrote the staff report, although my screen just froze. Um, the, um, in the body of the staff report, the strikeout version that was done, the strikeouts with done with the current format, um, that was what was intended to highlight exactly what was being amended. Mm -hmm. So it didn't get lost among the reformatting. And the analysis does come from um, Mr. Hancock's memo um, from September 2nd. Is that it? That's it. Okay, Commissioner White. Uh, this is just a, um, maybe a typo uh, error that I just want to clarify. So I am looking, what am I looking at? Hold on. Okay, I'm looking at attachment number three, ordinance to amend stormwater management system final draft 1013-22 version two PDF. Yeah. Um, Is it error reference source not found? Yes. Got it. Okay. It should be section 5293 and section 5294. It's in your strike through version, but it's not in the version 
that I presume will go to city council. So I just want to make sure we catch that because if we approve it and we don't catch that, then I think there yeah. might be problems. <laughs> yeah. That is um, just for clarity. Um, that's considered just a, I think they call it a Scribner's error. So even if the ordinance to amend included that, um, that's, a, um, that's not a code um, issue and it can, it, it can be corrected without any type of formal amendment. That is a editorial situation for lack of better editing terminology. Yeah, and um, my apologies for that. We try to catch those. What that is is a function of um, we are maintaining that document in Word and it's a link and um, we do our best to try and fix those. But when we're doing edits and pulling a section out of the UDC, that's um, um, sometimes I make that mistake. Yeah, the links but get broken. You. Commissioner Sove. Well, I'll start by saying that I think these are great, you know, changes that I, I, I think make it clearer. Um, maybe I'll just add on to some of the little edits, <laughs> though. Um, one of them was uh, in terms of the replacing the exceptions with uh, sites that are less than one acre size site plans for planning manager grading permits that don't increase their overall per impervious area. It reads unclearly as if it were any one of those things or all of those things combined. But the table is really helpful that I understand that less than one acre um, is kind of split. Sometimes it's not applicable and sometimes it is. But then when I go to the table, it says one acre or less. And the narrative says less than one acre. So the exact one acre lots are kind of straddling the definition um, to be on one side or the other. So I think, again, it's just a, a small clarification comment. If we get a perfect one acre site, uh, there might be some confusion early on. Um, but also uh, maybe an Oxford comma combines all of that, that sentence together to make sure it's all of those pieces combined. Um, and then I did have a question for the sidewalk requirements to be included in the calculation. That is for any public sidewalk on the private property or also within the right of way adjacent to the property. So when we site plan a, a project, we're only site planning the private property. We're not site planning the public street per se or that, that it fronts. So the stormwater requirements don't apply to the public right of way. So you'd, ha you'd have to have a situation where you were putting the public sidewalk on private property for that, for the current yeah. exception to have any um, effect on stormwater calcs. And it's, it's very rare that that, when that happens. Okay, just wanted to clarify. It, it sounded like there was that one like hook of a path, yeah. but not that this becomes a much bigger kind of move that we are tracking anything adjacent. So that was just a clarifying question. But other than that, the kind of where does one acre land in that split um, and making sure I believe that all three of those are supposed to be combined together, correct? To be exempt in that first paragraph. One B, B uh, sentence or paragraph one. Well, maybe we could address both of those. Alexis, maybe you could talk about the structure of the exceptions and Jerry, if you could address the one acre. Is, it, is there a specificity with the state guidelines? Yeah, the, the memo from the state said over an acre. Okay. So, if, okay. so we'll make those corrections. Cool. 
Anybody else? I think it works. Um, um, I'm going to screen share. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of questions too. So um, I'm wondering how this meshes with what we passed earlier this year about the 300 square foot um, that you can change a site plan, add 300 square feet of imperviousness and not trigger site plan submission. And so I'm just wondering how these changes mesh with that. Because according to this, it, it, according to this table, I would think that that reverses that. And so I'm just curious how, how does that affect that? Um, go ahead, Alexis. Um, I'm going to share a um, Word document here. Uh, this afternoon, Jerry and I were meeting um, and to, make, to make sure that our reformatting did not change any of our of our uh, substance and so this um table these highlighted in yellow um we ended up changing the this language um because it just it didn't what is in the packet doesn't seem to jive um and i think that this may um address the par partial question here and then i'll um, get into it a little bit more but um, when for sites that are in the city of Ann Arbor's review responsibility, and here's something, the, it's actually not jurisdiction, um, it's review responsibility. But when you are in this uh, city of Ann Arbor review responsibility and your site is one acre or less, um, and so this threshold is new um, because we are removing the um, exceptions. If you have no net increase in impervious surface, um, and you were years ago an administrative amendment, or today, um, if you are a site plan for planning manager approval, there are no changes required to your whatever stormwater management system you have there now, even if it's none. Um, now, so this is consistent with um, the 300 square foot, um, and this, so this is, a, I would say, an exception, but Jerry, correct me with the terminology, but the review comments didn't have issue with this exception because it for a site of one acre or less. So we are maintaining this um, exception, but we are um, going to make sure that this language and this is the language we're going to use um, says when you it no changes are required when you have a site plan for planning manager approval. Now, if you are doing a, a 300 square foot addition. Um, you are not even triggering the need for a site plan at all in the first place in our development review table. So again, these uh, two issues are not connected. They, they work well together and there is no change. These reformatting or the exception changes doesn't change. If you were doing a 300 square foot addition or, or slightly larger and it was not, and it was on um, a small site and it was going on top of existing impervious surface, um, then again, your stormwater requirements tomorrow will be the same as today and that they, um, no changes are required. Um, and then I'll just circle back with this yellow language here. Um, because it was, and so it still will be, you actually do have to provide stormwater management when you're on a small site, even if you have no net increase. But if you are a site plan for 
planning commission or city council approval. Anyway, I hope it didn't ramble too much and I hope that actually answered the question. So if you have no net increase in a site that is over an acre, does that trigger stormwater or no? Yes, that's that was the comment from the state. The state has indicated we have to at least require first flush. Okay, so that's a change then from from when we passed it before. It seems strange to me that you can have a site that, like relationally to the size of the site that you're you're actually doing less, you know, because it's a bigger site but it still triggers the system if it's over an acre. Yeah, and it's that that was that was the most clear thing from the state that, and so the 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 rules of the Washington County Water Resource Commissioner that we use as our standards that that is how theirs is set up. There theirs is set up to meet the state requirements because it's it's been revised more recently than ours. Uh, that so we just we we just didn't have that one acre threshold indicated we were right. just saying if it's a site plan for the old administrative amendment that you didn't have to do stormwater they said that 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 did not meet the state requirements so that's that's actually the largest change that's mm -hmm. proposed mm -hmm. okay and then how does that relate to the whole 50 percent business from the county in relation to that as well in terms of change like how does that dovetail with yeah so it um so within the county rules which which basically any site plan that comes in the 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 review that if it's at the city or the county it's going to be reviewed the same other than this table that we're looking at uh, because we both use the county rules and the county rules have uh, a a threshold in it that um, is not in city code that if a development is is um, disturbing less than 50% of the site that they only have to deal with the 50% the or less from a stormwater management standpoint not the whole site if you are going to disturb 51% of the site then you have to address the entire site so um, that Applying that threshold basically uh, eases up the requirements on all, all you know, pro projects that are a complete redevelopment. Okay. So, can I ask? Yeah, please. So, Jerry, am I to understand then that a two-acre site that is proposing to disturb 25% um, of the area? 25% of that area is going to be, have to meet all the county design standards for stormwater for that disturbed area. However, the entirety of the site would have to meet first flush at a minimum. Yes, that is correct. Good clarification. Yep, that, thanks, yeah, that, that, that does help. Okay. All righty. That, that, that's how the county rules are already set up. Yep. Okay, okay. Okay, uh, anybody else? Alrighty. I think we are ready for a roll call vote. All right, so this is uh, um, 
on the proposed ordinance. I do want to note, I don't feel like we need a motion to change, but I just want to note we are going to make sure it's up to one acre for uh, the exception because um, it's over one acre is what the state, we're going to follow that to the letter, and then we will also correct the reference um, and um, may also um, clarify the exception language to make sure it's clear what the intention there is. So um, I'm, I just want to, there might be some small changes from what you're seeing, but I am hearing acquiescence to all of those being improvements. So I'm going to, we're just going to do that. Uh, Commissioner Sove. Yes. Commissioner Abrams? Yes. Commissioner Hammerschmidt? Yes. Commissioner Dish? Yes. Commissioner Clark? Yes. Commissioner Weich? Yes. Commissioner Mills? Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle? Yes. It is unanimous. Okay, we are on to item 9A, which is other business, and we have quite a few of those. So, um, let's see. We will begin with the update to the State of Ann Arbor Parks and Recreation Open Space Plan, the PROS Plan for 2023 through 2028. Uh, Planning Commission action to forward draft plan to City Council for review and authorization to distribute in a, uh, to adjoining municipalities. The draft plan incorporates feedback the city received through an online survey and public meeting. The pros plan is an element of the city master plan and provides an inventory of existing parks and facilities, describes the relationship between the park and recreation system surrounding municipalities and recreation providers, identifies park and recreation needs and deficiencies, and proposes major capital park projects for existing and new parks based on citizen input. Okay, so do we yep. have some uh, sort Thank of you very much. So uh, as you just described, uh, the Parks and Recreation, Parks, Recreation and Open Space Plan is typically considered as part of the city's comprehensive plan, uh, TOME. Uh, the Parks and Recreation team is in the process of updating that. As you will recall, or, or some of you will recall from the, the approval of the comprehensive planning process is very prescribed. Um, after the plan is developed, it is presented here to you. Um, you then are, at tonight, the decision is, does it look good to distribute this plan for um, public comment to surrounding jurisdictions and agencies? Um, that recommendation will be forwarded to the city council. If they say yes, um, Secretary Sove will sign a letter distributing this plan to um, surrounding jurisdictions and it'll start a public comment period for those um, uh, agencies to provide any feedback or thoughts. Um, all of that will be presented back to the Planning Commission um, at the conclusion of that, uh, that comment period for consideration and a public hearing to adopt uh, a recommended adoption of the comprehensive, the pros plan to the City Council. Um, and with that, um, I'd like to introduce Adam Furcho, who is one of our park planners with our Parks and Recreation Department. He's gonna provide an overview and ask any questions that you may have, answer any questions. Thanks, Brent. Um, I put together just a quick presentation that we could, um, I can share with you, and then I'm happy to take any questions that you might have. Um, let me share my screen real quick. Can you see my screen? 
we yes. can. Okay, thank you. Um, so a uh, quick overview of what the PROS plan is. So it's our comprehensive plan for the park system um, with goals outlined for the next five years and beyond. Um, it provides a forum for public input to ensure the plan reflects the values and desires of the community as well as current trends. It outlines needs and desires for the existing are for existing and future facilities and amenities, and it's required to be updated every five years to be eligible for grant funding from the Michigan Department of Natural Resources. And it helps us provide justification for grant requests and other capital projects. So a quick timeline of how we got where we are. Um, in winter of 2020 or 2022, um, I think it was December we started, we had a pros plan kickoff meeting um, there was a task force that was created for the pros plan um, and we worked through our process and kind of the community, we outlined the community engagement process through the spring, April to June, we put out a survey, um, which is one of the main methods that we use to receive feedback um, that was open and I talk about that here in a minute. Through June and September, we held, some, we held public meetings and focus groups. Um, we analyzed our community feedback, and then we began updating the pros plan document. Today, here in October, um, we are looking to publish the pros plan draft for a 42-day review period. Um, I presented to our Park Advisory Commission um, this afternoon, and I'm here in front of you today. Uh, in December, um, January, when it lines up with Council, um, we'll be coming back for approval from PAC and from Planning Commission um, and the public hearing um, and discuss any feedback that we received during that time period. In January, we'll be looking for approval from City Council and then we need to submit to the Michigan DNR in February of next year. So just wanna highlight a little bit of the community engagement that we um, accomplished. So we had focus groups with the Park Advisory Commission with the Recreation Advisory Commission, um, with the Planning Commission, with the Office of Sustainability. We had a group looking at downtown parks. Um, and then we had a group that looked at bike recreation in the parks. Um, we held a virtual public meeting in June, and then we held another in-person meeting at um, Burr Park. Um, I think it was at the beginning of August. We held it during um, some of the day camps that go on there to help catch parents that were coming and going. Uh, I want to highlight our online survey. We had 2,382 respondents, which is well over double that we've had in previous years. Um, so we thought that was quite a success. And then we received comments um, throughout this process and we've kind of compiled emails that we've received um, over the last few years on things that the community wanted. So we incorporated that into the plan as well. And then we have our 42 day open period, um, which we're hoping to get more review from. And to highlight a, few, a couple key findings um, that I think really stood out to us going through this is that parks, I mean, they play a large part in people's lives, not just for like recreation, um, it's serving as a respite, it's serving as mental health breaks, they serve as um, transportation corridors with our border to border. Um, people view our park system as really integral to their lives. Um, it's not just a place they go to have fun. Um, park accessibility is an important issue for the community. 
Um, we heard that loud and clear. We have an ADA transition plan going on right now, looking at accessibility. And it's not just accessibility in terms of being able to do something. People want to be able to know how they get to the park, when they get there, how can they move around, where can, what other parks can they go, what linkages can they see. And then we also heard accessibility, how can they get in touch with us. Um, so we want to be cognizant of making sure we have someone out there that people can come to. Another thing that stood out is as the city's growing, um, so must our park system. Um, we've seen an increase in growth, as you guys know, and that puts a heavier demand on our amenities, our experiences in the parks. But then we're also looking at, we have the corridor along Stadium or Briarwood that will be um, having future residential possibly. And so what does that do to impact the system and what can we do to make sure we're meeting future needs? Then the other important thing is while we reached out to the public, we also reached internally to our staff to see what they needed and maintaining and improving park infrastructure. It's an increasing task um, in the report. In the report, um, there is a needs assessment chapter. It is 19 pages long and 17 pages of that is just needs that we have for our current park system. Two pages of those talk about new amenities, but the majority of that are things we need to do to improve our system. So that's gonna become a big issue moving forward and something we need to think about. So our next steps, um, we met with the Park Advisory Commission today to update and review them. We are meeting with you um, to hopefully provide a recommendation to city council so we can distribute this plan to review for um, adjacent municipalities and open the public comment period. Um, we'd like to go to city council to approve and distribute that plan and start that comment period. And then we're gonna be having a pros plan task force review um, in feedback sessions so that we'll go over that document as a whole one last time. In December, we'll be coming to PAC for public hearing and approval. And then we'd also like to come back for planning commission hearing and approval. I believe it's, I think it, the way the timing works out will be that last meeting in December, but there's a chance it's the first in January. Um, so we need to talk about that. And then January 2023 city council approval and then February 1st is when we'd like to submit it to the MDNR. So with that, um, thank you and I'd be happy to take any questions that you might have. Thank you. So I guess we'll have a public hearing on no public hearing. No public hearing distribution. Since we're not... We will have a public hearing at the time of adoption. Got it. This is just an opportunity if you have any preliminary feedback on the draft provided. Otherwise, um, um, it would be acknowledging that it's uh, getting close to its final format and ready for vetting with a wider audience. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Thank you for this. It looks like a ton of work um, and I'm excited to dig into it a little bit more, but I don't know if anybody brought this up to you yet. The numbering is like the page numbering and then like the numbering in the table of contents is like really off. Like there's, so, not, there's like two page 71s. There's like, it jumps from like 108 to 120 or one, or I don't know. It, the numbering oh. is really inconsistent. <laughs> like I was looking oh. for something specific. Okay. I was looking for like the draft project schedule and it said it was on page 135. And there's like, it's not just, I would just check like yeah. 72 and section five and then sort of section six is page 71 again. 
and then that ends at 98, but then section seven starts at 98, and then it jumps like from 101 to 108. Page Numbering pages is really huh. annoying. <laughs> and then I think the table of contents is probably off too. Um, Let me take a look at that. Yeah, because they were supposed to be linked in Word, and then we made another PDF today. So let me take a look and see what that's I can do. Yeah, that's probably what messed it up. Is, was there an appendix attached, or, or was there supposed to be? So there's an appendix. So the first one that talks about the budget is in there. Um, we have right. a placeholder for an accessibility study, which we will be having um that will be loaded in november we're finishing that up right now it's part of our ada transition plan and then the third part of that appendix will be the resolutions from council um, and planning commission and PAC. Okay. so those aren't in there yet cool well congratulations on getting it this far this is very impressive Thank you. fix those page numbers <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. commissioner survey Thank you. Excited to see an update. Um, I think one, uh, the planning department has updated much of the language from master plan to comprehensive plan, and that's uh, still existing in this draft. Um, the other one that I saw was, that I guess I wasn't completely aware of, uh, was that the park rangers were replaced by police uh, several years ago, and that through many of the surveys, uh, there was a different feedback uh, from the community about police presence in parks and things. And I know that our unarmed response is really ge geared towards uh, social and health services, but I'm wondering if there's been conversations yet with the unarmed uh, response team uh, about um, additional or different um, civic workers to be able to support the parks instead of police. Yeah, it is. Um... It was something we heard in the in the feedback for sure, and it's something that we've discussed. There's a contingent that wants more police, and then some that don't. And I know Josh Landefeld, our director, has been reaching out um, to the groups to to figure out what we can do about that. And one thing we thought internally is more staff available um, that could help with that. Um, so that is definitely something that we're thinking about, um, and it was something that we heard. Um, that I think was more prevalent this pros plan session than it was last pros plan. So I think last pros plan, there was that want for police and that has decreased. Um, so it is something that we're aware of and talking about. I appreciate that. If I can kind of be like really clarified, I mean, to be very frank, I haven't read the 140 pages, but when I, you know, <laughs> control F with police, it, it outlines, you know, the public comment about it. But if there is a summary about that discussion that you're having right now, uh, that would be really helpful to be available for the public to know that, you know, okay. it, it's part of the plan to have that conversation continue. Um, and then regarding the budget, I'm wondering, um, we have the uh, park contribution fee for um, projects. Uh, and, you know, I know there's concern the millage is coming up, but when was the last time the park contribution fee was updated? Just in terms um, of what we might do to help improve our parks. That one, I actually don't know the last time that it was updated. Um, I can talk to Josh Landefeld um, and get um, a response to you on that one, but I'm actually not sure the last time that was touched. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know that the last time it's updated either, but we can, we'll bring that when it comes back. Yeah. Um, it is, it is an ask, right. um, but yeah, we can, and I know it was based on 
I think it was based on acquisition costs at some time, but I suspect it probably hasn't been updated. I'll try to find out when the last time that is and if it's warranted to sort of revisit that. Yeah, I'm, well, I think it's based on at least the language, right, is... Uh, per the, capita maintenance. Per capita yeah. maintenance. Yeah. So if there's yeah. some sort of metric from the parks that can outline that to see that update. Um, because I believe, you know, the millage for, you know, maintenance, there's a maintenance and then there's an improvements budget in, in terms of the overall for our parks. So if that's something that we can do at this table uh, to help improve and match that uh, with the kind of economic growth, um, I'd be open to kind of that feedback in the next discussion as well. Thank you. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Commissioner Dish, are you ready? Yes, and thank you for perceiving that I was thinking. Um, so I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you about the mention of possibly relocating the public launch at the Cascades to somewhere else. Is that it was mentioned in the report? Um, is that something that we're actively considering? So it is something that was brought up. It's not something that's actively being considered at this moment. It's mm -hmm. something that was brought up as a need from our livery manager mm -hmm. um, with mm -hmm. the popularity. Of, and we're talking like that parking lot, the gravel parking lot that is just north of where the livery and cascades are. Mm -hmm. Due to the extreme popularity of that, especially mm -hmm. on the weekends, we've had um, residents kind of complain about not being able to get their boat in the water. Um, so that is something that has been discussed. What could we do? We have a launch on Gallup side, but we don't have anything. We only have that one spot at Argo. So that's something that is just being talked about, but it's not very active up front. It could be something that comes up, though. It was brought up to our attention by our livery manager. It's, I represent that ward, and I hear a lot about that uh, facility, which I, which I like very much. But yeah. it, it is... Uh, in some ways overextended. Um, parking, yes, as people yeah. mention. Um, and uh, and there's, there are issues about uh, being able to monitor and restrain public drinking and the yeah. things that follow from that. And so it's certainly, uh, it's certainly an interesting suggestion and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued excuse me, intrigued to hear that the livery manager brought that up. Um, I wanted to ask how you deal with conf conflicting results that c came up from the public survey. And maybe you don't see these as conflicts, but I noticed that while um, funding and developing um, the area that is identified with the center of the city is of low importance generally. It ranks higher when you look at the results from the question where you ask people to list their top priorities, which suggests that while it, is, it ranks low generally, some residents have a keen interest in it. How do you reconcile those findings like that? I think at this point, I mean, we have this in the plan, so it can further, we can have further discussion in the group. I think we're trying not to skew it one way or another in there so we can have those discussions. We're not taking any action like on a specific item at that, but I think it's important to note 
that there are those conflicting things that you just mentioned in there. Um, so that would be something that, I mean, we'll have to discuss as a department when we move forward, but we have this as a base right now and that can actually flag as this could be a controversial thing or something that we need to engage the public more on. Okay. Um, but we have that in the plan right now as an item that is something that we can discuss. Great. And then I would assume that the same thing holds true. Um, I saw a, a tension between public support for splash pads, which is low, but public support for making facilities accessible is higher. And you all list splash pads as one way to. <laughs> yeah, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the it's that same discussion. And um, it's like I, I think one of the survey questions also talked about, like, spending lower amounts of money or they weren't as supportive on new amenities which that that would be um and then you read through the comments and splash pad is like really popular like you're saying so i think it's about informing the public what that means and allowing them to um kind of help weigh in on what it is and something we can explore further i know the splash pad was something that was really mentioned in the last pros plan and was it kind of gained a little more popularity this time. So it's something that's on our radar and something that, again, I think would come to us as, this is an item that we might need to talk to the public more about before making any type of decision on what we need to do. But it's in there for now, so it's something we can talk about. Great, and I wanted to, um, I hope you'll indulge me, colleagues, express some personal delight that you're thinking it would be a good time to fix the potholes at Fuller, which I can, warm up before my swim in before I go into the pool. That is one, yes. Commissioner Weich. Uh, thanks for this. It's uh, quite exhaustive and uh, I'm sure it took a lot of uh, work um, aggregating, collating all of the feedback to get the report done. Uh, like one of my colleagues mentioned, I did not get a chance to read the entire report, but I do want to um, ask a couple uh, questions. The first one was, uh, has the report been submitted to um, our Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, for review? I don't recall seeing that in your presentation. No, it has not yet, but that is something we want to start. We want to have our own city staff and um, kind of look at this so that's a good idea to have them take a look at it okay and and i bring that up because in the survey results um you note that uh some of the um what you label as minority users of the parks uh, don't always feel welcome uh in the parks and so uh having uh the dei uh, department take a look at that to make recommendations at least before this um plan is finalized, I think um, could be helpful. You do make note of the need for DI or DEI initiatives on page 121, um, but that seems to be targeted towards the nature area preservation programs, but not to the park uh, system as a whole. Uh, so just wanting to make sure that all the residents and the folks who are in Ann Arbor feel comfortable accessing our parks. I appreciate my colleague, um, Commissioner Sauvey, bringing up, uh, I think it was you, the police. And uh, I just want to echo her recommendations um, to maybe consider 
uh, having uh, the unarmed response program that the city is developing um, be a interface to the parks as opposed to the police. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Over-reliance on armed officers who are authorized to use violence um, to bring people into control with what the police call subject control um, is not a welcoming uh, sort of premise in our parks, especially uh, if you have loose dogs and someone has to call the police, now you've invited a gun to um, what would be just a, a civil um, enforcement. So any things that you can highlight to de-emphasize uh, the need to have armed uh, police officers in the park, I think will go a long way to making the parks more accessible, more welcoming, um, and especially for those who have had uh, troubling interactions with law enforcement. Um, yeah. I, I just um, have some formatting things, and I just don't know. Um, uh, Commissioner um, Hammerschmidt went first on this, so I'm just going to pick up a couple things. Um, the tables are that cross multiple pages are hard to reference because the headers are lost as you move through the breaks on the tables. So starting with the inventory, the park inventory, section four, uh, that blue table, it goes for several pages and then you lose track of what the dots mean uh, as soon as you lose. So now I have to go back and forth to find out if this park has a drinking fountain uh, type of thing. So if there's any way to bring that forward for readability. Also the labels there are overrunning the columns, but I don't, I, I just don't know how much input you want from us at this point or if that's something that is already on your radar screen. And I would say on any table that breaks a page, if you could bring the header onto the new page, I think that will make um, the report more readable and more accessible and require less uh, scrolling uh, as you navigate. And then I had a just a really random question uh, that can be offlined, which is in the Greenbelt um, map that you have in the report, you show the boundary for the Greenway, but then there are two properties that are outside of the boundary, and there are, I, I didn't see any attribution for why those um, acquisitions are outside the boundaries, and I don't know if it's important uh, to include that, but it, it raised a question with me, and so I just wanted to present it to you. It's um, section what? five. It's section five land use and planning acquisition. You have a green great way, um, greenway boundary. It's in Superior Township to the east, and it's in Webster Township to the northwest. Okay, um, I do not have an answer on that, but I can talk with our um, acquisition manager and NAP director Remy Long, and I can get an answer on that one for you. Um, he's the one that kind of put these tables together so I can, or these maps together so I can ask him about that. Yeah, it's just interesting to know. I mean, even if it's just like, oh, this property was acquired before they made this boundary or anything like that, just to sort of explain why we've acquired properties outside of the boundary since the boundary is noted. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I can get that answer for you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. Commissioner Mills. Great. Thank you for this. And I um, 
similarly applaud kind of the amount of engagement that uh, was put into this and and overall not just in this plan but I've been happy to see the public notices in the parks themselves when you're contemplating changes I've um, uh, so I think that that uh, you know meeting people where they are I think is great as I was going through here um, similarly didn't read the whole thing confess to that um, but you all have 42 days, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but recalled then our conversation earlier, I don't even know when that was, this summer, maybe part of the working group, and that's, that's included, that discussion is included in, or it's, sorry, during a working session. The discussion is included here um, uh, that for everybody, if you haven't, control left that that's the conversation about like TC1 and and kind of what is park access around there one of the things that struck me and that i maybe i missed it but during that conversation we had a map about like there was a talk about 10 minute walk to parks and particularly because this lives if because it's being adopted through the comprehensive planning process and is intended to live as a home for us that kind of thing um, would be helpful, I think, for planning commission. If if a 10-minute walk to a park is a community goal, then I think including that in here would be really helpful. And not just for that corridor, but kind of throughout. And actually, in the process, I also went through then and looked at the Ann Arbor moving together towards Vision Zero, A20, that one. Um, and I just note that in there, there's also this discussion about walks, walkability to amenities, including a park. But in there, it's a 20 minute walk and it doesn't then show that hole around State Street. I don't honestly know which is right or wrong. Um, it's not uncommon <laughs> for ele multiple elements to uh, conf I don't necessarily know that these conflict, but these aren't the same goals. And so I'm curious, like when I'm looking at this, what, you know, I would trust, honestly, within the context of a, of a parks plan, like if, if our intended goal is to be this 10 minute element, like maybe that needs more engagement and maybe that's for the next time you do this. Um, but I, I would just note that if, if we are to factor that into our deliberations and conversations, knowing what goal we're aiming for and making sure that we have tools, including a map to be able to refer to, I think would be really useful. So that's more of a comment, unless you've got a, a you know, I didn't meant, I didn't see any other, like I can, I control F for minute. I didn't see any other reference to like this idea of a 10 minute walkability goal anywhere else in the document. And so okay. Given that that was really the focus of our conversation back then, I just didn't know where that came from in the context of this overall plan. Yeah, um, I remember talking about that with our GIS um, uh, staff person that helped with the 10 minute walk, but I don't think we actually included it anywhere else, like you're saying, in the map. I think we focused on accessibility like in terms of being able to use the border to border get around use the parks but i don't think we looked at it in terms of that 10 minute but that's something that we can go back and look at and add in if i mean it seems like a good thought so well i get the only re i only bring it up because like that was it's what's like memorialized in here 
And if it ought to be our goal, or if it's if this is something that's been vetted and ought to be our goal, okay, cool. I'm, I'm just noting that there's another element in our comprehensive plan that says our goal ought to be 20 minute walk like neighborhoods where you can within 20 minutes you have access to retail schools parks and uh i need to scroll on the page just a minute whatever the the fourth element is groceries like and so we we have in an a plan that's already adopted as part of our comprehensive plan, you know, a map about which neighborhoods are lacking some element, one of those four elements within 20 minutes. And so I just, again, thinking about the totality of our plans, <laughs> um, Maybe if maybe we just let this one slide and we don't generate the map because it's actually not a, a fully vetted idea. I just want to make sure that if, if this is something that we should be thinking about as we're um, thinking about either zoning changes or thinking about new um, new developments that we we know which map we're going towards and what, what we should be looking at. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. I want to add on to that and thank you for reminding me of that conversation. Um, so 10 minute walk, like trust for public lands movement, 10 minute walk, Mayor Taylor actually signed on to that. So there is like a really well developed, like this is like a thing, a 10 minute walk to a high quality park. And I think it would be really important um, to include a map that sort of shows the area. And I mean, we're very well parked in Ann Arbor. We're very lucky that we have a lot of amazing parks, but in that conversation, we saw that there are areas, especially if we're talking about adding more residential that will be under parked if that's a word, um, <laughs> once people start moving to those areas. So I think it would be helpful um, to sort of lay that out in here if, if you know the Parks Department thinks it makes sense since, I mean, technically it should sort of be one of our goals. I remember Hillary at one point was like, we have a goal of a five minute walk and maybe that's not like memorialized anywhere. But I mean, I think, you know, because we have this robust park system in Ann Arbor, there aren't that many pockets where it's missing, but, you know, making sure that everyone has access to a 10 minute to a park within a 10 minute walk from home a safe yep. walk from home um can you know help meet a lot of our other goals too so i would actually i would advocate for adding a section that sort of talks about the importance of that um i'm happy to help you i can help write it if you want because i used to work on this in my old job um, but 10 minute walk is like yeah contact I me <laughs> That's something we can work on, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that and get your assistance on it. Yeah, I've got language already somewhere anyway, and other stuff I've written. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else? You go. One, I got up to look at the map that's outside of this body, and it's actually a five-minute walk to parks, which is, I thought, uh, sort of interesting. But my, my question was about pickleball. Uh, as we know, <laughs> as we know, uh, it's sweeping the nation. Um, and it's also displacing kids um, being able to play in spaces that they have had um, full sort of purview on. And I, I see you address it somewhat. Uh, in the plan, uh, you note that we have two parks, but you don't name those two parks uh, in the plan. And then um, this is probably for a future uh, thing, because I don't, um, 
I don't believe you're asking for content changes, but just like how something that may reference how the city is going to approach the access to the uh, parks with um, the potential conflict with um, pickleball because they'll take up like basketball courts or spaces where kids like rollerblade or able to, um, I think of my own neighborhood lands down there's a really nice paved basketball court that's at the end of the park that's there. And um, it would be a prime place for pickleball. And so then like the primacy of who gets to uh, make those spaces available. And right now uh, there's pickup games uh, with adults that come as their like morning activity. There are kids who recreate there after school and just wanting to make sure that um, as we think about the uses, um, that we're really trying to make sure that there are a lot of uses and not these dominant sort of uses of the park that would exclude other people. So just a comment. I'm, I'm glad to see it in there. I'm glad that we are approaching it, and I hope that kids can still have access to their parks. Yep. I will say, I think if you, when we looked through like our Excel table of all the comments that we got, pickleball was one that really popped up quite a bit. And I know it's something that we deal with all the time is how can we add more? And like you're saying, not take away from other activities that are out there, other spaces. So that is something that we're dealing with constantly. Um, but that's a good comment. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you, Mr. Furco. Thank you. Uh, would you consider a motion to recommend forwarding this to the city council and distributing the plan? Ah, okay. So there is a motion. Because <laughs> we talked about. Uh, yes, absolutely. Moved by Commissioner Sove, seconded by Commissioner Hammerschmidt. <clears throat> Alrighty. Discussion of the proposed motion. <laughs> Alrighty. So we'll have a. There we go. Thank you, Adam. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, we are on to item 9B, 22-1718, the um, fiscal year 23 work plan review. At the last meeting, or at a recent meeting, there was some public comment and there was um, uh, a desire to think about the comments. Uh, the comment that sparked um, conversation was uh, specifically about cooperative housing, um, how the city uh, considers that much like it does fraternity and sorority housing, and what are the opportunities for that. Um, um, so um, from that, um, I um, have put together just sort of a brief um, draft of the work program. Um, we have more to do. You don't have to make changes to this, but I thought it would be uh, an opportunity at a minimum to just sort of make sure we're all on the same page about the status of some things. Um, also some conversations that I've had that I'd like to present to the full commission for consideration. Um, so I'm going to focus on the discussion draft um, just for some status updates. Um, as you're aware, the capital improvements plan, we've heard from Kayla Coleman. Um, that is underway. We'll be presented that back to the full planning commission late this year for adoption or early next year. 
um, that is underway. This is a full, sort of a quote unquote full capital improvements plan. Uh, the comprehensive plan, as I noticed in my uh, noted in my comments, uh, communication comments, the RFP has been issued. Uh, this is going to proposals are due November 21st. Uh, I am uh, estimating at this point to be a 12 to 18 month process, um, and that's going to be a lot of work um, for the community, for staff, and for you as the planning commission as we uh, embark on that process. Um, switching, jumping down to ordinance amendments. Um, as is the case, the Planning Commission has really um, been working very hard. Um, from the existing proposed work program, uh, parking regulations have been completed and adopted. Those were adopted by the City Council in August of 2022. Uh, the Delta batch of changes included modifications to uh, landscape modifications, R2A lot size, uh, some use changes in the M1 district. Uh, some marijuana uh, license flexibility. Those were completed and adopted by the City Council in August of this year. Uh, the TC1 rezoning for stadium is scheduled for second reading and public hearing at the November 10th uh, City Council meeting. So that's upcoming. The first reading uh, has already occurred. Um, uh, I've had uh, one uh, presentation of uh, draft uh, language around sustainability to uh, require electrification for new development um, with the Ordinance Revisions Committee. I'll be presenting that to the full Planning Commission. I anticipate doing that on November 15th. Um, I'll also be accompanying some additional solar access language, um, specifically around a solar uh, accessory structures uh, to consider some potential more flexibility for, the, for that. Uh, D1, D2 housing premium reconsideration has been identified in the work plan. Um, I am in the process of, uh, I have solicited a proposal and we intend to um, a, a contract with Carlisle Wartman Associates. This is a consultant that we have some ongoing uh, professional services arrangement with for both planning and building services. Um, so they're gonna be bringing some additional, um, frankly, horsepower that we can kick off that process here in the next um, month or two, I hope. Uh, that's going to include a lot of engagement with you as the planning commission with different stakeholders across the community, both advocacy groups, other boards and commissions, downtown groups, and the development community about um, premiums and what the future of those um, might look like. Um, I already talked about solar energy readiness. So that's the status of things that are currently on our, uh, our work program. Um, shifting to 2023, um, um, we have had um, this revisited. I've had some conversations uh, with Chair Gibb Randall and uh, about the, the public right-of-way setback for TC1. Um, I would like to sort of put that to bed uh, again, one way or another. Um, but I am proposing that if we are to do that, my recommendation would be that we not create character overlay districts, but rather we consider a very adaptive change to the TC1 district like a lot of the other parameters of that that would be responsive to what is happening in the public realm and might um, lead to increased or different front setback requirements. Um, I'm proposing that if we take that on, we do that in conjunction with a joint rezoning consideration of both Washtenaw Avenue and the Plymouth Road corridors. It's a planning manager's prerogative to change their mind. Um, my rationale for that is that I think that um, despite my insistence previously that we take the corridors one at a time, I think mm. I, I stand to be wrong, 
but I think that there are more similarities between Washtenaw Avenue and Plymouth than either of the other corridors that we have previously considered. Um, I'm not saying they're identical, but I think there's more uh, typology that are similar. Um, I think, to be clear, I think that the inclusion of all of that together would probably be a little bit longer engagement process. Um, it's going to be obviously doubling the work with notification, with um, consideration. One of the things that I'd really like to do, and I'm exploring this, um, is I'd like to actually hold a working session with the commission out on the corridor so that we can um, explore some of these aspects, particularly as it relates to the right-of-way and the like in a real tactile way, if you will. Um, timing might make that cold, but <laughs> nonetheless, you look like a hearty bunch. So um, uh, I am proposing that we would kick that off probably in early next year, sort of lumping all three of those TC1 conversations together. Um, that would enable us, you as the commission and ultimately the city council to make decisions on all of them but we would be engaging and, and sort of taking those all together because I, um, for the reasons that, that I indicate. Uh, site plan light remains uh, on the plan, drive-throughs, um, accessory buildings, and uh, accessory buildings, and, and then uh, those two have been priorities that the Planning Commission has identified um, over time um, as priorities. Uh, site plan light, just as a refresher, that is determining if we might be able to find a more cost-effective way to get the information that is, ne is necessary for some category of site plan developments that is less than what we require now. It can be fairly, fairly costly to go through the process to put together the plan set to bring all those professionals in. It'd be seeing if there's an opportunity, apart from the site plan changes we have made, to look at the actual content, that the minimum content that could be potentially reduced. Uh, Drive-throughs have come up. Um, I haven't heard much lately. Um, I um, we we get inquiries from them. We share the previous planning commission dialogue that they seem to be a conflict point at time. But I think at the end of most of those conversations, when they happen here, there is a desire to revisit drive-throughs. I don't um, frankly have a lot of direction about what that means yet or how that might go. But that's identified. And then there are three, these are really more staff-driven um, um, potential ordinance amendments that um, I'd like to consider. Accessory buildings and structures has been on there for a while. A la recent changes to our site plan, you just saw some changes to our stormwater. I'd really like to look at our ordinance as a way to clarify and better communicate how accessory structures are allowed, regulated, and the like in our community. Conflicting land use buffers. I'd like to specifically uh, look at conflicting land use buffers to no longer require them between residential projects. Um, right now, uh, density of residential can dictate that. I'd like to reconsider the application of uh, conflicting land use buffers. And this is a new one, uh, driveways. Um, right now, uh, we... Um, I don't know how best to describe this. So when you're building a new home, uh, we require you to have, if you're going to provide a parking space, which is no longer required at all, but if you choose to provide a parking space, it has to be a compliant parking space. That means it has to be in a garage or it has to be behind the front line of your home. So in that case, if you're building a new home, you would have to either 
and decided to provide a parking space, it would either have to be in a garage or your driveway would have to extend beyond the front of your house, sort of your side yard, if you will. Now that parking is not required, and independent of that, at times, uh, property owners are seeking to reclaim garage space for other uses. They're seeking to renovate their garage, and for a garage to be reclaimed, if uh, the driveway stops at that, that driveway becomes illegal. You can no longer legally park in that driveway because it does not lead to a legal parking space once that garage has been reclaimed to living space or some other space. I would like to explore allowing that driveway in that circumstance to be maintained. Now, in order to reclaim that garage space, you would have to remove that driveway. Um, and so I'd like to explore a small, well, time will tell, but a, an amendment that would allow basically some limited front yard parking, which the ordinance does not allow currently. Then, I would like to draw a darker green line and not do anything. These are all the things that I propose we do concurrent with adoption of the comprehensive plan, and we don't do anything else until after adoption of the comprehensive plan. Bigger things like R4C zoning, integrating mixed uses into residential neighborhoods, missing middle R4C residential district infill, unzoning, parking maximums. I think these will be threads through the comprehensive planning process. And I would propose until those goals are identified and the implementation priorities are established through that planning process, um, those would be after um, whatever date that ends up being. So um, we've got work to do. No changes have to happen to the work program. Um, I did not include a significant change to cooperative housing or fraternities or sororities. You heard that conversation. Um, I think some of that does relate to mixed-use neighborhoods. I think some of it does relate to R4C zoning and infill in a lot of residential districts. Um, but I just wanted to be clear that I think you know that those comments are something that sparked this um, coming to mind. I want to make sure that those the, that feedback's not lost. And at this point, I'm happy to answer any questions about, uh, from the commission's perspective, of your interest in ex exploring any of these things, excising any of these things, um, and however I can help. Commissioner Weich. I'll start with a question. On the driveways, is that a form-based requirement? In a way. On the comprehensive plan, I remember you uh, answering my question, so I just want to clarify it, that the engagement will not produce UDC text amendment recommendations. I anticipate the plan will identify recommended UDC text changes. At this point, I can't commit that this contract will develop that text language, but I fully, the aspiration of this plan is that there will be an implementation schedule that says the city should, in year one, make changes to the UDC to address the following items. But there won't, so we will, I'm, I'm asking, 
the question to understand what our task will be. I know we'll get a deeper um, explanation of that, but I'm just looking at it vis-a-vis -vis the plan that you've put here. So we will have to develop absent the consultant producing recommended text amendment changes, we will have to do that work um, while, like at our working sessions of which we have 11 or 12? 12 typically. So it would, ha it would come through that flow assuming a fairly normal schedule of site plan improvements and things like that. Yep. So that, Again, a question, Does that is that included in your 12 to 18 month forecast or is that an additional 12 months to your forecast? So that the actual, I'm sorry to uh, cut you off, um, the actual conclusion of this will be somewhere between 24 and 36 months. So when, when you say the hard green line, we're not gonna actually see those things if I'm understanding you correctly, until 2025 or six? Yeah, the 12 to 18 months is my estimation of when the city ultimately will adopt the policies and the vision it's interested in implementing. And so until it does that, it doesn't make sense from my lens to start the implementation of that language um, so it would be the longer term as you're talking about. It is identifying what those goals are, those goals are adopted, and then we get to work in the, the, implement, the drafting that language. Now that could, that could be continuing services with a consultant, it could be occurring in a lot of different ways, but I wanna be clear, it is sequential, it is not parallel. Okay, um, that brings up a whole bunch of things which I'll try to capture in an email to send to you or to the whole team. Another question, uh, site plan light. Um, would that uh, include the possibility of pre-approved plans? So like site plans that if someone brought those to, they would automatically be approved, that the city staff would potentially create? Um, it's, it's not how I was thinking about it, but it's possible. Okay. Um, I, um, if, if anybody hasn't, uh, of mine recently, the Michigan Municipal League put together uh, mm -hmm. a pattern book um, and it sort of goes to a, a very common historical framework where you could have ready-made houses in that case, except in their case, it's a duplex and a fourplex that they've, that they've modeled that um, you can download the architectural plans. They're sort of ready to go. Um, I am intrigued by that model. Um, I think that could have applicability at that kind of scale. It's another model that I'm interested in and is doing that from an accessory dwelling unit perspective, sort of mm -hmm. ready-made plans for accessory dwelling units. As you get into sort of larger site plans and probably commercial plans, the um, commonalities probably fall away so it becomes less likely. So I see more applicability there probably in the projects that don't require site plans or even potentially for some smaller scale site plans, the five, six, 10 unit residential. It could be possible that we could explore those kind of products. And then my, my last question for now is, uh, I. I don't know if the law is passed or if it's just been introduced for alternates for planning commission. Is that at all, like, do we have anywhere on our work plan sort of internal work 
And the reason why I bring that up is the TC1s have caused a number of commissioners to have to recuse themselves, which then puts downward pressure on the rest of the body to have uh, a conversation. And there's some debates of whether or not those commissioners needed to completely recuse themselves. So I don't know where we have the the conversations around the bylaws and how we define those conflicts of interest. Of course, a planning commissioner could recuse themselves because they want to, but like how do we approach that as a body and where in our sort of working relationship with each other, do have we carved that time out? Because I just feel like there's some conversations I'd like to have because about this so that we all know what we've agreed to is a conflict of interest and then we're enforcing that as opposed to making it sort of commissioner developed, but that's not on the work plan. It doesn't seem to be in the working sessions and there doesn't seem a pathway to bring that up except by exception. And so I I would just love if we could, like it would be in my unzoning dream, like you put that in there and then we fix the bylaws and the unzoning, but I I see you've kicked my unzoning way down to 2024 and in fact really to 2026 and who knows if I'll be reappointed. So I'll just just wish for unzoning. I love the unzoning. Um, So... Um, the short answer is we can address that whenever we have the time. That could be on a regular session. It could be on a working session. At a working session, we can't make decisions. We could schedule that for a regular decision. The best place to do that, I think, is in the bylaws. That's where the conflict of interest language is put forth. Um, I would just, um, I don't want to get to attorney E because I'm not, and I would, I, would, I would defer to the city attorney uh, for more definitive answers, but I will say, um, to get myself in trouble, that conflict of interest is, is often not a easy or even sort of binary decision. And, and, you know, we do talk with commissioners at times. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes we have conversations with the commissioner. Sometimes I have that conversation. Sometimes we bring in uh, the attorney's office to have that conversation. Um, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, as far as the alternate language, I don't know. I can follow up with that. I'm not. I'm not plugged into it, so I don't, I don't know the status of it. We provide alternates for our zoning board of appeals, but not so much with the planning commission. Um, that's definitely something we, if if that's possible, we could look at that. Um, but I, I would I would say that, you know, just conflict of interest can be messy, and sometimes, um, even if maybe not required, sometimes it might make sense just frankly, from a perception perspective, um, to err on that side. So, um, but the short of it is we can have that conversation whenever, and I think the best place to memorialize it would be the bylaws. I will say this from the conference, we are unique in our approach to conflict of interest. I went through a training session on it um, that is done by the MSU extension course. And when I described what we did, both the instructor and everyone in the room was like, you didn't need to do that. That That's not necessary. Like, why are you all doing that? If you just tell the public, it'll be okay. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Commissioner Silve. Maybe just a little thing on drive throughs and this could come up during TC1, since they're then banned in TC1, that maybe a map in terms of that process would help us understand where the overlay of what's remaining for special exception use so that we could evaluate yep. if drive throughs It's most all commercial districts, yeah. Yeah. 
But not D1, D2 either. Not D1, not TC1, but all the C districts. Okay. Yeah. So that might be a way to midpoint yeah. evaluate. That's all. Thanks. Commissioner Dish. I wanted to just ask a point of clarification, or actually two points of clarification. Um, and one is just following up on what Commissioner White just asked. So I understand the thick green line, um, but I want to understand what counts for you as the comprehensive planning process being finished. And I think that Commissioner White just asked this, but I just want to make sure that I understood. So there's, there's initiation of comprehensive planning to adoption by the council, and then there's a further stage of working implementing the plan by developing UDC text amendments. And for you, the comprehensive planning process would be finished when all of the implementation is done or no, because no, other things could run concurrently with that. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The, from my view, the comprehensive plan is finished when the city council adopts it as the land use policy of the community. That then tells me and you as the planning commission, that these are the changes that the community will be pursuing. That, the, that is the time when it makes sense to start figuring out the resourcing of those changes, whether they're map changes or UDC text amendments or other items. And so the, there will be a lot of, there'll be a lot of work as part of the conference of planning thinking about what those steps look like. But I wanna be clear that I know it's frustrating, but the adoption of the comprehensive plan changes nothing. But it also tells us that these are the goals and the metrics and the steps that we as the community have endorsed and directs then you as the commission, us as staff, to go forth and do that. Until that decision is made, um, the commission is, it, it, we have plans now. Then those decisions are bound by are guided by the plans that are in place until that new plan is adopted. Yes, and the, the, actually the point that I was trying to be clear about was at what point do we get to peel off that thick green line and start working on some of the things that you put down there? Would it be concurrently with implementation of the comprehensive plan, or do we have to wait until we finish all the map amendments and text amendments. Below the dark green Below line. Below the dark green line. The comp plan I anticipate will provide us additional direction on those things. I think those. those things, as well as other things, are going to yeah. form our list. That's, but yeah. that's not for me to decide. That's for the, us to go through the process of identifying, exploring, yeah. ide ideating, and ultimately prioritizing. These are the things that we want to do, and these are like, Right. We might decide unzoning, you know, Brett, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That cannot be in there. I hope not. I think it's a really good idea. But I think the planning process is going to hit on these topics, and they are going, that planning process is going to shape this list. It's yeah. probably going to be a bigger list, and it's probably going to add some detail as to the steps on how we're going to approach some of these. Understood. So... So if all goes well and the comprehensive planning process is done sometime, oh, I can't do math, but uh, anyway, 12 to 18 just months. add two to where we are, 2024, 
then that all the things that are now under the thick green line get we get to reapproach them through whatever lens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. And um, I I understand that the timing of a of a working session on the TC1 corridors might make it cold, but I hope it won't be both cold and dark, um, which means that it might not be in our regular meeting time. I agree. <laughs> Commissioner Mills. Thanks for laying this out. Again, I appreciate these mid-year check-ins in part so that we don't have to wait till the end of the year to say, holy cow, guys, like we've done a lot. Like, and and by we, I mean, I feel like staff puts it on us because it does come through us, but this is really like, I want to say thank you. This, I, I, we are ticking so many th more things off the list these days and I like, it takes a village or a city and I like, really, so, so kudos. Um, and I'm glad that we're revisiting this now. I, uh, in terms of 23, like, yeah, let's do it all. Like that sounds amazing. Um, and some things I think are smaller rather than bigger, although they may turn out to be the big crazy things that we don't anticipate, but let's do it. And I, I mean, just given how many things we've checked off, I think that that's great to this point about, about the thick green line and maybe a friendly amendment to this in case it is towards the 18 month end of that window before the comprehensive plan is fully adopted i might suggest that the mixed use neighborhoods and the parking maximums are both things that are in the moving towards vision zero document which were adopted through the comprehensive plan process and which all of the input that is part of the comprehensive plan, the big now new comprehensive plan process that we're undertaking, like I know we'll learn things, but in terms of a, a, a goal that's already been adopted in the city, those are two things that are in our tome of documents now. And so I might f make a friendly suggestion and you can shoot me daggers with your eyes that if we finish everything on the 2023 list and are twiddling our thumbs because um, we don't have a fully adopted mass uh, comprehensive plan document yet that those are two things that I think that we will have learned through the engagement process that maybe we could that we've already identified as things we want to do in our existing tome of documents and so could we potentially start those concurrently rather than waiting for the full adoption um if yeah yeah that's a question um it, it's your i mean I, I totally agree these are recommendations in our current in our current i still think those are um big conversations um the sentence established parking maximums across the city is not easy to accomplish. I think it's going to be a really challenging to find the right levels. Mm -hmm. I think it is, um, there are fewer exa community examples out there than eliminating parking minimums. Um, uh, so 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I would, and maybe that's just what we do. We sort of put it as 2024 above the line. Um, but I, 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 I don't want to lose sight of um, we're. I don't know exactly what that process looks like, but you are all going to have a lot of work ahead of you for this comprehensive planning process. And so, um, I, in short, I don't have an objection to it. The more that gets above that, I just want to be honest, I am getting less confident that we will be able to get it all done. Um, you have, I appreciate that, but you guys have done hard work. It's hard to make these decisions at times. You. Um, I really value the feedback and the shaping that you bring to it. So um, I hope you feel as accomplished as I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can do that. I, I, would, I would just be honest that um, I don't know what that, I don't yet know of the load of that dark green line, but I know it's gonna be big. And so um, if we get there, I, I don't have any hesitation to come to you and say, I'm just not going to be able to get to it until X, Y, or Z. So I don't, I don't have a big objection to it being aspirational. Um, but you have me on video saying I will, we will do our best. Yeah. Well, and also why I would just bring that up now, because I don't think we need to change. We've got, we've got stuff to work on oh, for yeah, the yeah, next yeah. year. Yeah. I would just say, like, maybe we'll exceed all of our own high expectations. <laughs> And if we do, like, I think that there are things, like, this is maybe for everybody else. Like, we're not going to not use our work sessions. That's a double negative. But, right? Like, we will use our work sessions. There's things that we can work on that we know we'll be teeing up big conversations that we, the, the planning process will have done a lot of the engagement work. But there's a lot, like, figuring out what the models are and what that number is is going to take some time. And so... And so this is why, if there is time, we know that this is something that we want to do, not waiting until, you know, for, for a different line. I just think, I, want, I hope that I can plant that seed now so that when we have this conversation next year and we say, Brett, we're going to want to move things up above the line. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Abrams. Um, I agree with that, Commissioner Mills. You, the last thing you were saying is kind of what I was going to say, which is like, for the things we know that are very complex and time consuming, might it make sense to begin some of the due diligence and research and preparatory work before the, city, the final city council vote? Um, so I know that, that those things are kind of time, time permitting, but I would maybe support pulling those two things above the green line just as a statement of value and intention, even if we, it's aspirational and we have to adjust later. Um, so I would, I would support that if other people were interested in making that change. Commissioner Sobey. Um, we adopt this again at fiscal year, right? Like July, like there's at least one more checkpoint, which should be during comfort, the process, correct? Adopting the work program? Yes. You can, we, we have to adopt it a minimum of once a year, but okay. it can happen multiple times. It doesn't have to happen at a specific time. Yep. Um, I'm just thinking, I mean, like the driveways, it's one of those things that not everybody's privy to. And like this conversation being part of the community engagement process, 
that this conversation and its next adoption become part of that community engagement um, so that it's with the facilitator so that maybe we can unpack some of these project issues that we're seeing at the table with projects that might be different than what the community is seeing for prioritization so they can understand our process for prioritization at the same time that they're trying to lay out their priorities and it might just be a really good checkpoint at the six ten month mark or something of this process to say this is where we're at the progress we've made and you know are there priorities coming to the top um as we finish the end of it so i mean I'm fine with kind of leaving it as is. I understand the amount of you know work that's going to be ahead, um, but actually rolling this process into comprehensive planning instead of rolling more of this ahead, of, I actually want to flip and bring this into it instead of get ahead of ourselves um, for that fact. So I don't know if that's actually just a conversation with the consultant when that, once they come on, that our role being available um, as part of the process. So, because we're we're gonna do stuff. Like, this is a lot, <laughs> so I'm good as is. Just to take a unasked answer and step back, um, uh, Commissioner Gibrandel had asked for sort of an overview of some of the ordinance changes that have taken place. And um, it was a great opportunity for me to reflect on how important the UDC has been to being able to do this. Since 2018, when the UDC was adopted, the quantity of ordinance amendments has really been remarkable. And there's been a lot you know, of, of varying scales and, and impacts. And um, I for sure have my critiques of the UDC, um, but um, these changes in our old uh, 10 chapters um, and pyramidal zoning where C3 is everything in C2 and C2 is everything in C1 um, would have been um, nightmarish if not impossible. And so just to say that the hard work of you and your predecessors, um, it, it, I think to your point of we're going to get stuff done, you, you've shown that and the city council has shown it. There's been a lot of evolution and I think really um, improvement of our of our code over that time. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Um, first, I will just third the idea of moving up mixed use neighborhoods and parking maximums, um, at least as aspirational above the dark green line. But I have a question about TC1. The, the three things under there, the Washtenaw, Plymouth, and then the setback amendments, are you I know you, you said taking like the, the Washington Plymouth corridor rezoning together. Are you also anticipating that uh, right of way amendment would be sort of studied? I think, think it would be great to explore that in the in applying any proposed change okay. to those corridors. Okay. It would have implications to the other areas as well. But yeah, I think if I, I think that would be a great time to do it. Okay. Which corridor are you thinking of walking? Both? I don't know yet. Okay, I have yeah. thoughts. We can yeah. talk about that. <laughs> okay, thanks. Maybe both. Yeah. Oh, I have, was just going to chime in when when um, Mr. Leonard was talking about UDC. We should make sure to acknowledge if she is still watching us. Maybe she is not. Ms. Leo, like this was a labor of love for a decade, I think. Like, honestly, this was like, 
the thing even before sure I, I call it love. <laughs> even before I got on planning commission, they were talking about it and like it's anyway. No, I and it's just a testament to our staff, like and and the stick to itiveness, perseverance, power, as my first grader says. Uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for that, um, and I couldn't agree more, uh, Commissioner or not Commissioner, uh, Ms. DeLeo. Um, you know, we were going through these changes, and kind of midstream, we said, you know, this is also an opportunity to maybe improve the usability of our code. And I don't know if you remember when we were doing the floodplain overlay zone and some of the previous stormwater changes, there was a lot of questions about which type of measure is going to apply. And I really, I do appreciate how particularly Alexis is uh, willing to jump in and say, yeah, we could just make these changes, but are there other changes that we could make this better? And um, I appreciate, I'll share that with her, despite the fact that she's probably already enjoying a cocktail. <laughs> Commissioner White. I just wanted to fourth um, Commissioner Abrams' um, recommendation, which was building off of Commissioner Mills' recommendation to move the mixed-use neighborhoods and the parking maximums above the line. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to say that early, but I'm glad someone else went ahead so I could follow and say I agree. So if a motion came to change the work plan there would be a friendly second from this side of the room. Um, and I only say that because of the timetable. Um, the thing that I'm hearing as I talk to community folks is we can't do stuff until the comprehensive plan is done, but then they don't understand that that doesn't, as you said tonight, it doesn't do anything. It's all of the text amendments that have to come afterwards. And that process is going to be a lot longer than I think, well, one, I'll speak for myself, than I initially realized when I myself looked at, oh, great, we get to do these things in the, in the comp plan. But then through my questions learning, no, we actually then have to target a section of the UDC, we have to propose a text amendment, we have to have a public hearing, we have to forward that to council, council has to have a first reading and a public hearing, they have to have a second reading and a public hearing, and then it will be implemented. And on a good schedule of moving all those things along, that could be four to six weeks for every single text amendment months. that we want to go. Four to six months. Right, but yeah. I just don't think the it has been my experience in talking with community members that they don't fully grasp that that's what's in place. And while we work on that, our existing UDC is what is in place and will drive whatever development happens. So as, as much as I concur that we are a, we've been moving very quickly and making changes, I would love to do as much as we can simultaneously, and especially for things that have already gone through a community engagement process. So we have things that even came out of the A20 plan, like increasing um, by right housing or housing diversity um, throughout our community. That already went through a community engagement process, but it's not yet reflected in the UDC. And I just think there are opportunities for us to do some of this work concurrently as opposed to sequentially. So I, I just want to um, really, really, really 
strongly agree with Senator, uh, Commissioners Mills and um, Abrams. I've just promoted you all. Uh, and, 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 their rec and their recommendation. Plus, if you put all these things in July of 2023, my term is done. And I you know, want to be able to work on some of these things with you because I've enjoyed that. I would, um, I would like the ability to just reflect and present you a refined work program. So if you are comfortable, I would like to bring that to a future meeting. Sounds good. <laughs> Which means you don't have to take any action on it. We don't, that's right. No motion, no vote. Alrighty, so then we are on to item 9C, which would be pretty quick here on the 2022 City Planning Commission meeting calendar, which only has a couple more meetings in it, so. Yeah, we um, had moved the next meeting to this November 2nd, and we didn't need to, so this change would move it back to the normal November 1st. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to vote on this, do we? We do need, we do to, need to vote adopt on this. the formal schedule. Okay. Sorry. Who would like to make motion? That's why you're here to vote. Commissioner Sohei, seconded by Commissioner Mills. Discussion? No. Vote. Everybody? Aye. Aye. There we go. Okay. On to item 9D, 221741, the Comprehensive Plan Evaluation Appointment. Um, I um, have. Uh, I will be putting together an evaluation committee with a lot of staff from different departments across the city. Um, I have asked Commissioners uh, Sauvet and Hammerschmidt as the two longest tenured planning commissions that are also on the comprehensive plan uh, subcommittee to participate in that. Um, they have both said that they are willing, but I would like your endorsement that um, they, um, that you are appointing them um, to that, um, just some bureaucratic boring. Um, this will be a contract that is ultimately presented to the city council. The city council will ultimately execute the contract. Um, then that's where the planning commission and me as staff and my team are going to work with that consultant to kick off the engagement process and the development of the planning process. So um, it is a an administrative function to select the consultant. Um, we do, we're doing it through an RFP, as I said. I would like to have some members of the Planning Commission be involved in that um, so that um, I am not the only one um, trying to convince all of you that we picked the right group. <laughs> Alrighty, shall I read the motion? It's just a motion to uh, uh, approve Commissioner Sovey and Hammerschmidt to serve on the RFP evaluation committee. Moved by Commissioner Mills, seconded by Commissioner Dish. Any discussion? No, let's have our roll call vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. It passes. Okay, uh, I think we are on to our final public comment. 
Okay, well, if calling in individuals, uh, nobody's present to address the commission. If you want to uh, call in, press star nine. If you're listening by phone or use the raise hand feature for phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that are raised their hand using the last three digits of their phone number. You'll hear an automated announcement that the host is allowing you to speak for either um, Please state your name and address at the beginning of your comments. Do we have anybody who would like to address the Planning Commission? Just give it a moment. We have a couple attendees. If you are on phone, plus star nine to raise your hand or use the raise hand feature if you are logged in. Seeing none. Okay. We are on to item 11, which is commission proposed business. Mr. I'm not a commissioner, <laughs> but um, we had two commissioners, uh, Commissioner Weich reference, and I believe Commissioner Mills, although technically wearing a different hat, recently attended the uh, Michigan Association of Planning Conference. Um, I guess I just wanted to offer to the commission, if you are interested in hearing any, we heard at least one notable uh, conversation. If there's, um, if those commissioners are interested in sharing anything either this evening or in the future to the commissioners or if the commissioners are interested in um, that kind of report. I heard Mia Gale said that you're supposed to give a three to four hour presentation <laughs> after attending. <laughs> That's what I heard. In the cold and in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it doesn't have to be tonight, but I guess I would, I would just like to um, offer the commission does support um, some commissioners attending. Um, if you attendees um, um, found anything particularly noteworthy that you'd like to share, I'd be happy to distribute materials or if you'd like to, um, for another upcoming meeting, take whatever minimal or hours of time that you're interested in sharing um, what you took away from it, that might be of interest to other commissioners. I, with the commission's acquiescence, I'll just follow up with those commissioners maybe uh, for a future agenda, and if I can talk them into doing so, I'll put it on the agenda, and if they do not want to, it will go quietly into the night. And I would just add that I, I really appreciated your comment tonight, Commissioner White, about just things, working it into our discussion. I, I really appreciated that. So if there's times where you feel like whatever you learn there applies, then I'd, I'd be really curious to know more about what you all have learned. I will say this, uh, upon my registration, I met the Michigan chapter president of um, the association and we had, well, she had a 20 minute conversation with me <laughs> about her concerns around our planning activity, especially in her neighborhood uh, so much so that her deputy director, who's also my neighbor, uh, called to make sure I was okay at the end <laughs> of that conversation. Wow. So I was, I, I'm a pastor. I'm used to people stopping me and yelling at me and telling me what I should do. Uh, so it, it fit that narrative. Um, but it, I think the one thing that I will reflect just very briefly, and I'm happy to do more and, um, later, but it trying to find ways for us to engage the community in the community where we can do it in the con 
construct of the open meetings and accessibility and all of that, I think would be helpful um, to people because I think they there's a lot of concern that they don't know how to share their concerns with this body. And I think it's different than what I often hear, which is you're not listening to us, which really means you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. I don't hear it in that direction. I just hear it in, do you realize that I see my neighborhood changing? And in this case, it's not changing in a good way because she was talking about big footing. So people buying small properties, combining them and putting bigger houses on them. And um, she just talked about the neighborhood character and how, and, and this was a, if I will, if I could, this is a good way of talking about the neighborhood character um, <laughs> because it was accessible to lots of different immigrant groups who have moved through the city over time. But because of these small lots, they're easily targetable to be um, combined and then bigfooted, which means those lots will never come back the other way. And um, I thought that that was like, I felt like it was a worthwhile conversation. And, and I was like, oh, here are some things to do. And, you know, she had stepped down off of her soapbox and took a breath and sort of checked my face and was like, oh, I'm really sorry I did that. And I was like, it's okay. Like, you care about your community and you want to have neighbors and you want neighbors to be able to afford to be with you. So I think all of that just struck me as what is permissible for us as planning uh, commissioners to do in our neighborhoods to both educate and include people, not in it, the formal process, because I just feel like sometimes that is its own barrier, but just to say, hey, we understand this, all of you at this table do something <laughs> related to development in our community or trying to improve our community, but I don't know what the mechanisms are for us to have these human conversations with people and then how it translates at the table. So I found that to be really, really striking. Plus, um, Ann Arbor is, is really unique. As I sat in the room with a lot of other planning jurisdictions, like all of the things that they're talking about are things that we're not considering. And I, I actually felt quite lonely. I was like, we need like Kalamazoo and Traverse City and Grand Rapids and some of these other communities to sit in. Because um, I was like, oh, we want to build as much housing as possible. And I got a, a lot of dirty looks. And so it was interesting. So I'd love to share some of those um, those reflections. And I would really love to have the conversation about the conflict of interest because we went through an exercise um, that was really interesting about how to determine it and getting the different perspectives. And I would just love for us to, I would love to have a little bit more guidance and freedom on how to have conversations, especially with developers that don't sort of break those conflict rules because developers have insights and wisdom that I feel like I need as I sit at the table and review site plans and try to implement what I what we've been told the community wants to do. But it feels like sometimes to have those conversations because those folks might come before planning would create a conflict of interest. And so can we have a mechanism for that disclosure so that 
it meets the, the statute and the law, but allows us to get the wisdom and the insight from the developers. So, yeah. Um, I'll follow up if, if you're willing, I'd love to follow up with you about that session. And I think scheduling that for a conversation would be um, better arranged with having some of those questions in advance. And um, I would, like I said, I bring the attorney's office into that as well. And I'd love to have some of those questions, like some scenarios um, that we could talk through about um, the frustrations that you've had or other commissioners have had. Um, and barriers or clarity that would be helpful to that, so. Commissioner Dish. I wanted to um, say that I really, I really resonate with what you're saying about having a different kind of conversation somehow. I don't know what form that could take in communities, not, at, not in this room because this room has a, a predictable uh, quality to it. And um, I don't know what form such conversations could take, but it does sound something like a, an informal forum or whatever. And, uh, it, and it may not be, it, it may be something to explore, but not necessarily expect planning staff to orchestrate, but possibly outreach staff, possibly? I don't know, maybe that, yeah, go, go right ahead, yes, please. <laughs> what are your just um, trade-offs? If we go and walk the corridor, we don't have the benefit of being on CTN or on YouTube. Similarly, if we were, like, as we're, you're talking, I'm thinking, like, how great would it be to hold the planning commission meeting somewhere else, like, in different areas of the city, maybe. But um, there are accessibility costs to that as well. So you're not going to have the infrastructure here to be able to broadcast it and, and the like. So, um, so I would, I guess I would start with, like, if we were going to experiment with that, I think it's probably with sort of working sessions um, and the like which I want to acknowledge is not achieving that goal because part of when the decision is made, that's where the formality, I think, can be at times constraining or um, intimidating, frankly, to some people. Um, and probably um, the people who, people who are less intimidated by it, um, we probably don't need to try as hard to reach because mm -hmm. by that nature, we are more accessible to them. So, um, so I, just as we're thinking about it, I think you know it's it's complex, but yeah, I, I think it's great exploration and and not. I want to be clear: the comp plan, just like we were talking about, that's it's not going to change our regulatory framework. But this is uh, where we we are going to be putting resources and time into having those community conversations. So as those ideas come, this is a great process to bring them to. Um, that's one of the things I want to bring the consultant in, people who are doing this in a community-wide basis on a regular basis. This is what we did here. This is what we did there. This didn't really work so well. Um, I want that expertise along with the resources and connections all of you and we have in the community so that we can be as successful as possible. So. Um, Whenever those ideas come, send them to me. 
let's think about them because even if we can't hold the planning commission meeting there, we can find ways to incorporate those ideas into the comprehensive planning process. I didn't mean a decision-making meeting. I really meant something more in the nature of a forum or just a, you know, talk to your planning commissioner <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Commissioner Mills. There was actually, I had to miss the session that was a debate over the, the appropriate role for public hearings. Like, are they actually a good way to get public comment? And um, I, I heard it was fantastic and left people leaving saying we, that we still have a role for, you know, public hearings are important, but they shouldn't be the only thing, the only way that we're engaging. So that, like a couple of the people that I talked to um, had that. I would say one of the keynote speakers is a new law professor here that talked about exclusionary housing. That's his jam. I am talking. He was talking housing, I talk renewables, we're having lunch in a couple of weeks to compare notes. Um, but I think like that that's a, a resource and it was a really, it was a good talk and things that we've talked about before at this body about, you know, that some policies that seem great may actually backfire. Um, and there was a, the lunch keynote was talking about urban forests and it made me actually think of some of our discussion about our corridors that don't have trees right now. Um, and kind of what that means, there was, it was, it was the, the, the speech was full of, uh, the slides were all pictures and I, I just thought it was um, really great. The rest of the time I went to law sessions. I think that we're in pretty good shape, but like. Sign ordinance. Sign ordinance, what happens with trees on private property and how to make sure that you're, you can actually enforce tree ordinances. Um, I mean, there, yeah, lots of talk about how not to get yourself sued in a rural community when you're <laughs> facing a contentious land use decision. <clears throat> Solar, like this happened, like that's, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I mean, it, it's a great resource. And to the conversation about engaging Ann Arbor residents, that I subsequently had a conversation with the very same individual and, and brought up to the point, like pulling us all full circle, um, that we have been making, we have recently made changes to R2A because that there, um, and this person who lives in an R2A district did not know about that. That that, that was a non-conforming lot previously and to the point of like, we're trying, we're here yeah. <laughs> like, and, and these are the things that, um, that we need to uh, address and it's not just a simple, you know, I mean, that there's lots of layers to it and, and, and it's on our radar. And UDC allows us to address that much more efficiently than it had ever been. And also that we've taken care of parking minimums. I talked to a couple people about that who were shocked, like who didn't know that we had done that um, and how could we possibly have pat, like gotten that through? And, and it's, a, it was a really a testament to like the engagement. And I said, we quickly followed, we had a, a comprehensive plan process. This was noted and we quickly followed up with it. So anyway, um, yeah, we are lonely in I some ways. I did put you two on the spot. Thank you very much. <laughs> Done. Now we don't have to have a special session because I, I will forget about it in a month too, but. <laughs> 
I, while I have the, while this is still on, I just also want to say thank you to those who participated in the follow-up meeting about the village of Ann Arbor. Um, yes. I really appreciated hearing that update and, um, and like that knowing that it actually happened was great. Also knowing kind of what some of those, what the key barrier is also really important. And I think this was like following up with the utility is something that came out of, I, I took on from our conversation at the ordinance revisions committee when we're talking about electrification and similarly didn't get a great response. So I'm um, trying to work through kind of what, you know, if there's other opportunities to um, engage on that. But anyway, so thanks for everyone who participated in that. Anything else? I think we are on adjournment. Everybody up for it? Everybody up for it? <laughs> uh, Commissioner A.